When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Take a very deep breath. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Everybody breathe with me as we start today's Nothing Personal. How are we feeling? I did something that I haven't done in 643 shows. I'm doing a show right now. Coca and I have been sipping ayahuasca tea. We had to have a very big meeting because Matthew was very upset with something that was going on. He felt as though I was not running the right verbal routes. Very concerned with my work product, my work ethic. He's been on a very spiritual journey. And he said the key, David, is that all of us take ayahuasca tea. can't even coke i can't do it anymore we gotta we gotta go normal it's too good ayahuasca nothing personal word of the day for august 18th 2022 i have been not boy that's awkward sentence construction i have passed on the opportunity to discuss aaron Rodgers and his ayahuasca journey because i'm all in I'm all in on whatever hallucinogenic drugs you want to do, whatever herbs. I love the fact that in the NFL said, hey, ayahuasca is not shrooms, man. It's not coke. It's not meth. It's not speed. It's not heroin. It's not steroids. It's not like he's Tatis or anything. He's just trying his best to figure out his whole midlife crisis. He grows his hair. He looks like Nicolas Cage from Con Air, which, by the way, is quite funny. 
trying to figure out how to be better, how to be a better person. Ironically, he's not a better person. We're not talking about the most beloved guy in the world, but that said, he's doing his thing. So during the off season, he took this journey to self-discovery and I love journeys. So don't misunderstand. I'm all in on ayahuasca. I'm all in on whatever waska you wanna do. It can be aya, it can be baya, you can do trya, whatever makes you happy, right? I like it. But do me one favor. If you're gonna be in training camp and you're gonna start calling out your teammates, explain to me what your reasoning is. What do you expect to get from that? A couple days ago, Aaron Rodgers said that his new wide receivers, he's still pissed that Devontae Adams did not, oh, I know Coco, sorry, you don't like what I said. Um, four, six, nine. Aaron Rodgers is still quite annoyed that the Packers let Devontae Adams go. But of course, before Aaron Rodgers signed his deal, he knew that Devontae Adams would not be able to resign. So he's gone. There's new receivers in along with Randall Tex Cobb and some of the others who are still there. And apparently Aaron Rodgers is very upset that they're not having a good training camp because they're lazy. They don't have the Kyler Murray homework clause. So they're not studying the playbook. They're not studying the routes. They're in the wrong place. Then people are criticizing Jordan Love for three interceptions, yada, yada, yada. He goes public. As, as a president of a team, I can only tell you, I hate when players criticize their own teammates publicly. It's not motivating. We try to say in the media, oh, this is good. It's going to light a fire under their bum. That's not how players actually react. They have to give quotes after they've been criticized saying, we're going to work harder. We understand what they mean. Aaron Rodgers is a veteran. He's been here. He's got the ring on his finger. One of the greatest of all time, maybe. So we are going to change our ways. That's what they say publicly, but privately inside a locker room in a clubhouse, they're looking at this old guy saying, do me a favor, man, and shut up. Take a little more of your ayahuasca because whatever it is that you think you're accomplishing, it's not working. That's really what young players or old players or veterans or anyone thinks who gets called out because remember, even young players in the NFL are the best at what they do. That's why they're in the NFL. They've got egos and they don't want to be embarrassed in public, period, period. So yesterday happens and there's a little note on your locker, maybe a little red tag. And it says there's going to be a meeting with Aaron Rodgers. Now, it was a normal receivers meeting, quarterback meeting, meetings. We love meetings. Don't you love them in your office when something goes wrong in your job? We got to have a meeting. I'm very busy. I've got meetings. What are you doing today? Well, I've got a call at 8 and 10. Then I've got a meeting at 1. I've got a lunch at 12. Then another meeting at 3. Then we're going to do a planning meeting for the meeting that we're going to have a week from yesterday. It's how we all explain that we're doing stuff to our boss. Yeah, I'm in meetings. Are you busy? He can't talk now. He's in a meeting. So we do that in, in clubhouses. We have hitters meetings and pitchers meetings and everyone's got meetings. And the players are there and they're, they're on their phone and they're rolling their eyes, just like you are in a meeting. Believe me, there's no difference. It just feels like it because they're professional athletes. So there's a meeting and Aaron Rodgers makes an appearance at the meeting and wants to reiterate to the wide receivers that they've got to be better. Then they elect the veteran wide receiver, Cobb, to give a comment that we owe it to number 12. 
we do it a certain way here. If you don't want to do it our way, then you're going to do it. it what, what is it? Um, there's that expression from Willie Nelson, maybe. Oh, no, that's on the road again. Oh, it's either my way or the highway. Just because that rhymes, right? I guess that means if you don't do it my way, then you're going to have to do it somewhere else. I'm not exactly sure how players can say that because they're not in charge of trades. They can't say to their teammate, hey, if you don't start running the right routes, we're going to get rid of you. They don't have that kind of power. What are they, Kevin Durant? So Aaron Rodgers walks in the media, and I can only picture him walking in. He, he strides into that Aaron Rodgers sort of egomaniacal, cocky walk. And for all of you Milwaukee people listening, you know I love the Packers and you know I love Aaron Rodgers, but it's just funny, right? It's not like he's the most popular guy in school. So he walks into the meeting and he says, listen, I want everyone to just, just breathe. I want you to feel our closeness. I want you to realize what we can accomplish as a unit together. All you have to do is see the greater picture that when I say post, it doesn't mean down and out. When I say fly, it doesn't mean button hook. I want everyone to be on the same page. How do you think the Packers are feeling right now with their season starting on September 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, whatever their day is starting? Do you think the GM and the front office say, oh, we're good, we're fine, that was good. We accomplished a lot. Those meetings that are called by veteran players to try to get younger players to do better, work harder, what if they can't? Do you remember when Magic Johnson was a coach for a bit? He had a very good comment, but of course it may not have been Magic Johnson. It could have been Larry Bird. It could have been Isaiah Thomas. Anytime you've been a great player, it's very hard to be a great coach. It's the sort of fringe players who make the best coaches like Phil Jackson and Pat Riley. No offense to Phil Jackson, great sixth man. Pat Riley, just sort of a guy. But those are the people, Joe Torre, just sort of a guy as a catcher. But the best coaches are not the best players because Magic Johnson, I recall him saying, and I've spoken to players about this, about why they don't want to become managers. They say, I can't become a manager because I don't feel as though I will have the patience to understand how a player does not recognize a pitch or does not understand how to base run, does not understand how to run an efficient route to a fly ball, does not understand the mechanics of taking a ground ball. It's the same thing in basketball, right? Magic Johnson said, how does he not see what every player on the court's doing. Well, that's because you're Magic Johnson. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best. You can't expect every player to be as good as you are. It just doesn't work that way. So the most effective way that we found, and we went through a whole process, side note here, Coca, we spent so much time with our sports psychologist, so much time with our front office, trying to figure out the best way to communicate with players, the best way to get the most out of your players, and we would talk about doing fun activities, team building activities. Let's go to Vegas. Let's take them to a bowling alley. Let's take them to a team dinner. Let's bond, right? And because that's something that you do in regular offices, whether on Wall Street or, or Broad Street, you're trying to get people bonded together because the theory is when you like each other, or when you feel close to each other, you are going to work harder for the greater good. And obviously, the ship rises with the tide and you're only as good. I mean, how many of these 
ridiculous statements can we make in one show? You're only as strong as your weakest link. We'd say that, right? If one player doesn't try or one player doesn't have the team in mind, then the whole team gets brought down. If one player doesn't run the right route, then Jordan Love's going to throw an interception. Now, Aaron Rodgers has a total sort of selfish reason. He's got one of the great touchdown to interception ratios of all time. And when there's an interception thrown because a guy runs the wrong route and you throw it to where the guy's supposed to be, and the only one who's there is a cornerback or a defensive back, the interception goes on your record. It's not like we say, oh, the wide receiver was in the wrong place. It's the wide receiver's fault. So I totally get that. But it's also when a pitcher gives up a hit, assuming there's no error after, but there's some sort of mistake that's not ruled an error, it goes on the pitcher's ERA. Now there's all these great advanced stats, how good you are defensively, defensive runs scored, all these things that we use. Do you know the reason why these stats were born? So we can assign blame and we can properly allocate credit. Assigning blame and allocating credit is something that has gone on in the business world forever. In the sports world, fans do it all the time, but it was very much and very often misdirected and misguided because we don't assign blame or allocate credit the way a fan does or the way the media does. So all these stats come into being the analytics departments because it makes us feel better about a result. Just think about that for one second with me. How many times when something goes wrong, do you say, we've got to find out why? We've got to figure out who to blame. And the reason we do that is we don't ever want to admit, my God, we're just not as smart as that person. We're not as good looking as that person. We're not as good a team as that other team. We're not as good a player as that other player. Sometimes there's no blame at all. But all teams do, all players do, is they try to figure out. So think about that for me over the weekend. Today's not Friday though. So think about it overnight before tomorrow, about how often you assign blame and allocate credit. So one thing that you know as a nothing personal connoisseur is that a president of a baseball team will do anything to assign blame to make sure that it's not on us. The Texas Rangers yesterday fired their GM. His title was President of Baseball Operations. He'd been with the team for 17 years. Do you recall a show a couple days ago this week where we talked to you about the Rangers firing their manager, a guy named Chris Woodward? Well, yesterday they then fired his boss, the same boss who gave the comment about why the manager got fired, saying we've got to do better. It's on me, it's on us, it's on all of us, but I thought it was time for a new voice, new leadership, the exact page two of the playbook when you fire a manager. What the hell's the owner doing? Hey, Ray, quick question for you. Ray Davis, not Ray Davies. It's not the Kinks lead singer, Ray Davis. Hey, Ray, quick question. What exactly happened in 48 hours since you fired the manager that caused you to fire the GM? Why wouldn't you fire them both at the same time or fire them both after the season or fire them both now if you so desire? Why would you have two days in between where you draw more negative attention to your organization? Do you not know about ripping the Band-Aid? Yeah, it takes a few hairs, it hurts, boom, but then it's done. You're creaking, 
Do you remember my movie theater candy example? Think of this every time you're deciding how to do something. The people in a movie theater who are very slowly trying to open their candy and all you hear for like a full minute is It's going on like for so long and you're like, dude, just go like this. Doesn't that make more sense? You know exactly what I'm talking about. I know you do. It can't just be me. When you are firing people in your organization, do the same thing. You go, you rip it off. So Ray Davis fires John Daniels and then he releases a eight paragraph statement. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight paragraphs. I must put up seven figures if you're watching on Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Are you watching? Get, go to the YouTube channel today. Coca came over to the studio, over to my apartment studio yesterday. We had lunch together and uh, he schlepped into the city. He came over and he realized that, wow, we can make this YouTube studio picture better. And so he downloaded something and did something and bing, bang, boom, see if you can notice it. So eight paragraphs. And I just wanna draw your attention to one part of the statement so you and I can laugh. John's accomplishments in his 17 years running our baseball operations department have been numerous. He and his staff put together the best teams in this franchise's history that resulted in five playoff appearances, two American League pennants between 2010 and 2016. His impact on the growth of our player development, scouting, analytics has been immense. John has always had the best interests of the Rangers organization in mind on and off the field. Of course, you have to add this and in the community. What's the purpose of that? It sounds really good. Why are you firing this guy? He sounds amazing. Oh, he hasn't won since 2016, but you decided two days after firing your manager, that's it, you've had enough. Horse hockey. John Daniels got fired the minute you brought Chris Young into the organization and everyone in baseball knew it and so did John Daniels. You've heard the expression of manager in waiting. In baseball, we do managers in waiting, coaches in waiting, we do GMs in waiting. You think people are stupid? Chris Young gets plucked out of the commissioner's office. He gets installed immediately as GM. He's a former player, smart, good man. Known him for a long time. But when you become a GM and the team has not been winning since 2016, he gets brought in last year. Of course he's been brought in to run the entire baseball operations. They're just waiting to lose. They're waiting for the right excuse. You don't need an excuse, it's your team. If you want someone to run your team, oh, they're white. You gotta wait for an excuse. Come on, that's not accurate. Just fire John Daniels right when you bring him in. But no, the Texas Rangers wanted John Daniels to train Chris Young, to show him some of the work that it takes to run an entire baseball organization, to give him 10 or 20 months to get experience, and then he was gonna take over. The writing was on the wall. Just say it. So then Ray Davis says, 
Chris Young is one of the top young baseball executives in the business and in his 21 months on the job has brought welcome energy and new ideas to the organization. NSS, baby. Everyone who's hired into any organization at any level brings new ideas in because they've never been in. I'm confident in Chris's ability to lead our baseball operations with the goal of producing a consistent winner on the field. I'd like you to go back over every statement ever released by any owner after any firing and find one time where the goal of the new hire is to not bring a consistent winner on the field. Do you know in sports that that doesn't happen? You're being set up to fail. There is no team. I guess the Dodgers, maybe the Yankees, maybe can be consistent winners. Pretty good. Good luck, Chris. <sighs> Ooh, there's a strategy going on in baseball right now that is, uh, it started with the Tampa Bay Rays, as every strategy does, when they would find a young player. And it was Evan Longoria was the first one I remember. And I don't know what year that was, Coke. I don't know if you're still with me, Coca, or if you're on the ayahuasca. How many, how many of me do you see? Coca, one, right in the middle, zoomed in. Evan Longoria had very little service time. He had been in the big leagues for like an hour and a half. And the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, or the, maybe they were the Rays by then, they signed him to a contract that went through his arbitration years. It guaranteed him money through a couple of years of free agency. And in the sport, the thought was that was 2008. That was 14 years ago. Wow. They gave him 17 and a half million bucks over six years. And I remember clear as day, we had just done a retool after 05 and we were building up our team in 06, 07, 08 before the next sort of teardown. Although trading Cabrera in 07, I guess is a teardown. But anyway, we were always looking at what other teams were doing. It's a copycat league. If you're not first, you're second through 30th. And... When we saw what Tampa did with Longoria, we thought to ourselves, it's way too risky. We'd much rather pay for performance because most players don't make it. And if a player does make it, we'll give him what he deserves in arbitration through a fair system. And if we can't afford him, we'll trade him. But to guarantee a player, you better know that player because many players, when they get guaranteed money, all of a sudden the pressure's off and they're just not going to play as well. Since that Evan Longoria signing, many more teams have tried to lock up young players. And I get it. It's cost certainty, though. So make no mistake, when you are reading about the Atlanta Braves and all the young players who they have signed and how great it is that they are all part of the organization for so long, the first six years of every deal the players with the organization anyway. So unless you get free agent years, then you're not truly getting the player for any period longer than what you would have them for. What you're getting is cost certainty. But why is that valuable? Cost certainty is valuable when you are a team and you have an owner whether it's a public company or a group of individuals or a private one guy where you have a guarantee 
of where your payroll is going to be. For 18 years, I tried to get a guarantee of where the payroll was going to be in one, three, and five years. And for 18 years, the payroll was different in one, three, and five years than what I projected it to be. If you project incorrectly and the payroll is lower than what you expect to be, and you've got guaranteed money, which is a fixed cost, and you've got an underperforming player who cannot be traded other than by paying all of the money down, you have totally hamstrung yourself. So many of you have asked a question about what the Atlanta Braves are doing. And the main question has been, what do you think of the strategy? Do you agree with the strategy? Why is it always that the player gives up so much money? Because that is what the union has been saying. They're very angry that Ozzie Albies and Ronald Acuna have given up future huge paydays to take these seven, eight, 10 year contracts. Let me explain the type of person and the type of player who takes these young contracts and then explain why they take them. When you have no money and you are trying to play baseball to support your family, to get your family out of poverty, to have life-changing money, and you make it to the big leagues and your team comes to you and says, I'll give you 50 million or 60 million or $70 million, the player's going to say yes. The agent may say no, the union may say no, but the reason the player says yes is they have protected their downside. They've cashed out. It's brilliant. Who wouldn't say yes to it? So therefore, it's always got to be advantage team, right? Wrong. What happens if Michael Harris, who the Braves just signed and everyone's all gaga because he's had a great, how long has this season been? April, May, June, July, August. A five-month career. I don't even know when Michael Harris started. Did he start with the season with the team? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. He's been on the team for five minutes, five months at most. The Atlanta Braves just signed him. They just signed him through 2030 if they want. Okay. Good on them. Of course Michael Harris was taking that money. Why wouldn't he? Ronald Acuna. Signed through 2028, 80 million, 90 million, 100 million. He could have made 200 million, 300 million. What a mistake. No way. Teams take advantage of the fact that players want the money and they're willing to take a discount. That was the theory. That if you give guaranteed money to young players, you get cost certainty and you get a discount. That was the attractiveness of that type of deal. The problem is that's totally disappeared nobody's taking a discount. You and the media believe that it's a discount, but it's not. Michael Harris is a first-year player who should be making 700,000, 800,000, 1 million, whatever the minimum change to in the new collective bargaining agreement. He gets money up front, which you don't need to give young players because they want to buy a house for their family or for themselves, pay off any debts, pay their Busconis, whatever the case is. And then his first year salary is 5 million bucks. You're already $4 million in the hole. And if Michael Harris does not have a good year next year, if he's hurt, that impacts his arbitration number when he gets to arbitration. It doesn't impact free agency, but you've lost a lot of money during arbitration by overpaying the player. 
if you're going to sign all these players the way the Braves had, it feels really good because you get all the media to write these articles. They've got their core. Austin Riley got $200 million. He signed through 2032. Matt Olson, they traded for him. They gave him a contract to 2030. Michael Harris is going to be here through 30. Acuna, 28. Grissom, 28. Albies, 27. On and on and on. What I did with Mike Hill and Larry Beinfest is we kept a list of these players who got these deals and we would then evaluate them every year and figure out where the team was and would keep track. Suffice it to say that teams lost more than they won. Coke and I were looking at long-term contracts signed by certain free agents and certain other players yesterday. You would not believe the amount of money that certain players are getting paid over the next not one year, two years, but going out four, five, six years. Yes, I'm talking about you in Detroit. How happy are you to have Javi Baez? I'm talking about you in Texas. You've got a new GM, new manager. You still have the same Marcus Simeon. Good luck with that. Just take a look at some of these deals. It is so player-friendly. And this is not me being... This is not me being front office David. This is me being business David. The media is so quick to say that your core is not going to be together for a long time, but they forget to mention that young players are yours for six years. Sandy Alcantara, the number one pitcher in baseball, the Cy Young Award winner. He better be good for a long time, not just one year. He's going to be a Marlin anyway. He got the money, the guaranteed money. So one of the things that comes up when players sign this from media and fans is that the agents must be angry. They must not be happy when the players sign these deals. The agents get a commission for these guaranteed deals. And when it doesn't work out for the team, it's worked out for the agent. And when it does work out for the team, it's worked out for the agent. Wait a minute. Does that mean it always works out for the agent? You're damn right it does. Because yeah, whoever represents Harris, if Harris becomes Mike Trout, and all of a sudden it's an outrage. Christian Yelich is a great example. Christian Yelich signed a deal with the, with the Marlins that was an underpay for how productive he was, no doubt about it. But his agent stayed with him and then he got the next deal for $200 million, which is an overpay or $180 million, whatever it was, which is looking like an overpay. And agents don't just have one player. They spread their portfolio out over a mix of players when they can get guaranteed cash flow for themselves. When you've got a young player like Michael Harris or any young player, from an agent standpoint, they're thinking one thing. I don't want this player to be poached by another agent. I want to get this player to arbitration so I can finally get a return on my investment of this young player. Because when the player's making a million bucks or in the minor leagues, you're not, you're not covering your expenses as an agent. The fee you're getting, the 5%, is not covering your investment in the player. The return on the investment comes when the player starts making more money, but the number of players who actually make more money is so small that whenever an agent can guarantee an amount of money for a player, they don't have to worry about the player either. They don't have to worry about the player getting hurt. Nothing. 
Just watch the Braves and see what happens over the next 10 years and see if it's the same players. All right, we're going to take a break. I watched this movie that just came out on Netflix. I watched the entire thing yesterday called The Girlfriends Who Didn't Exist. We're going to review it. And then I promise you for two days, we're going to talk about Ben Simmons, and we're finally going to. We'll be right back. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY. Or text Hope NY. That's 467 369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following, and all the things you're doing. I watched The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist yesterday. It's on Netflix. It's part of this untold documentary series. I can't wait for the one on And One. And One was started by a bunch of people from Horace Mann who were the great above me, Jay Gilbert and Seth Berger. They went to their Horace Mann class of 85, and I was class of 86. But the one that came out yesterday was called The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist about Manti Teo. Manti Teo was one of the best defensive college players of all time. He played for the Fighting Irish. He grew up in Hawaii. He is part of uh, the Elder Cunningham religion. Hello, my name is, yeah, Book of Mormon, that whole thing. This is a catfish documentary. He had a girlfriend who it turns out was neither a girl nor a friend. It went on for years. And then right before he was playing a national championship game, somehow it came out that it was fake. It ruined his life. He still became an NFL player, but clearly this had one of the great negative impacts of all time. So I'm watching this documentary and I'm thinking to myself, what makes this different than all the other catfish things I've watched? I have one word of advice for all of you. FaceTime. Is that so hard? If you meet someone online who will not FaceTime with you, then that person is not their thumbnail picture. If you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend online 
and they don't want to see you in person and they come up with excuses more than twice, then maybe they're not who they say they are. All you have to do is say, excuse me, can we just FaceTime? He wanted a picture of this supposed girlfriend, proof that she was a girlfriend and she was a girl and a friend and the person who he thought she was by holding up a sign with the date like Charles Grodin in Midnight Run when he was kidnapped. FaceTime. Now, the other problem with the girlfriend who didn't exist is that the media and everybody else went right to, oh, maybe he knew all along and he's just trying to hide the fact that he's gay. How dare you? It's enough already. I think we're past it, I hope. I mean, we're not. There's so many, there's so many homophobes out there. So many people who are uncomfortable with anyone who doesn't look like them, dress like them, talk like them, act like them. It's enough. I fell for Manti Tayo. I really did. But on the other hand, all he had to do was FaceTime. It's called the girlfriend who didn't exist. Do you remember when Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers were fighting? We're finally getting to this because I couldn't let this story go. Sometimes when we don't get to a story after a day or two, I just move on. This one I couldn't move on from. Ben Simmons would not play for the Philadelphia 76ers. Do you recall? He was hurt. He had a back injury. Then he said he's got mental health problems. But really, he had just a weak spine, just a soft mind. Didn't like being criticized for his poor offensive play. Said, I'm never playing for you again. And then got himself traded to the Brooklyn Nets. Do you remember when the Philadelphia 76ers stopped paying him? We did a whole segment. This has to be, I don't know, six months ago, eight months ago. And there was going to be a grievance. There was a grievance. Guess what? Two days ago, Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers reached a settlement. Here was the bid and the ask. Simmons was saying that when I've got a mental health issue, that's the same as a physical issue. And when there's a physical issue, it's my right not to play, but I still get paid. But mental health is the same, and it's my right to still get paid. The Sixers said, well, funny you should say that, but I have no way of knowing whether you have mental health issues because when we wanted you to see doctors, we wanted you to get therapy, we wanted you to do team-mandated help the way we would do team-mandated physical help and rehabilitation, you were reticent. It got me thinking about players who have physical injuries that we can't see through an MRI or an X-ray. The best example is a back. There's no way to ever know whether or not a back hurts. You can see if the player really does have problems swinging. You can look for the wincing. Like Christian Yelich had a bad back. We always knew his back was bad. There was no making it up. You could see by the way he played, by the way he walked, by the things he did. But if a player is still able to physically perform and we're not seeing certain of the sort of dilapidation in physical ability, and I don't mean success on the field, I mean the ability just to be on the field. There's no way to prove 
that either we're right or the player's right. Because the player can say, you can't say I've got a torn ligament, right? Because we can do an MRI and find out if your ligament's torn. You can't say you have a torn ACL or MCL. We can go right to the videotape, Warner Wolf. But something like mental health, as you know, there is no way to actually know what's going on inside someone's mind short of a outward episode. An outward episode can be one of 10 things, right? But what if a player is doing everything normally? And I say that not to infer that people with mental health issues are not normal. But they're showing up at practice, they're going out to dinners, they're going to nightclubs. They're not fighting necessarily with players or with spouses or family members. There's no warning signs. But a player says, I can't play because I'm in the wrong frame of mind. I need a minute. I've got mental health issues. I've got anxiety. The way I'd like it to work is that a player would never lie about it and a team would always not just understand and agree, but would support the recovery of that player the same way a team supports the recovery of a player who has a physical injury. But in the real world of business, it doesn't work that way. And it doesn't work that way because of the level of cynicism that exists between a front office and a player. Because when a player is doing something to take advantage of a front office, the front office is going to not believe anything the player says. But when it comes to mental health in 2022, you can't take that case to court. You can't take that case to arbitration. You cannot stand up as the Philadelphia 76ers. Daryl Morey would just never do it. And he's smart to not do it. And the player and the agent knows that the team is not gonna do it. All of a sudden, you've got an inequity. The inequity is that the player found a way to take advantage of the team and the player can do it. The team can't stand up and say, we don't believe you. You're totally fine. You just are a weak-minded man who didn't want to play for our team. We had every right to dock your pay. The player stands up and says, I'm sorry, but I have anxiety disorder. And here's three doctors that says I do. The team says, we got our own doctor, and the doctor says you don't. There's no upside when you are running a team or own a team to take that position. So you're totally screwed. So of course you're gonna have to settle and of course you're gonna pay. The terms of the settlement were not disclosed, but the fact that the settlement was gonna happen was always a fait accompli. As a, as a team, as a front office, there are certain times that I am fine going to arbitration with a player. There are certain times I'm fine with not paying a player. There's a violation of a contract all sorts of things, but with mental health, I'm just not willing to do it. But Ben Simmons is by no means an angel here. The Brooklyn Nets have a thousand problems. Ben Simmons is number 25 on that list. But let me tell you, Ben Simmons is going to further this narrative. Ben Simmons will not play opening night for the Nets. Everyone's saying he's gonna be ready He's going to be there with KD and Kyrie. It'll be the new big three, though it's hardly a big three. But that said, wait to see. 
Ben Simmons will not play opening night for the Brooklyn Nets. It's a total disaster. In other basketball news, LeBron James signed the two-year extension for $97 million. I want to take two minutes on this. For everyone who thought this was news, do you remember when there was a meeting between LeBron James? We did a whole segment on this. LeBron James walked in and had a meeting with Rob Palenka, and it was not a negotiation. The maximum that LeBron James could get was $97 million over two years. They had a meeting where money was not even discussed. One of my favorite segments on a previous show, Coca. Because most times when you go into a meeting with the player, you're discussing money. LeBron James, there was no discussion. If you don't offer me the maximum extension, then of course I'm not signing it. And the Lakers were saying, of course you're getting the max. LeBron, he's 38 years old. He could only get a two-year extension. There's a whole collective bargaining agreement that the players union and the NBA agreed to that old people can't get long-term contracts. Now, old is obviously relative. In the real world, he's not old. He's only 38. He's a kid. LeBron James is a kid. Trust me, when you get to 38, you're going to feel the same way. So he gets the $97 million over two years. The Lakers announce it, and I laughed. LeBron James wasn't going anywhere. All the articles say now he can't be traded because he got more than a 5% raise. Now he and AD, Anthony Davis, are going to be free agents at the same time. What do you think the Lakers' plan is? It's not to win, right? They don't have the team to win. They know that. Maybe it's to have LeBron jerseys all over Africa. Maybe it's the value of the team. Maybe Jeannie Buss and her siblings are fighting. Maybe it's to do TV shows like Winning Time. It certainly can't be to put the best team on the court. LeBron James, all right, everyone breathe. Take your ayahuasca. LeBron James is not worth $50 million a year on the court. He may be worth $50 million a year when you combine on the court and off the court. But he had one of the best years of his career last year, and your team did not make the playoffs. The chances of him being healthy and having a year like last year, next year, and the year after, take the under. Congrats, LeBron. Nothing personal pick of the day. I had the Brewers. They must have been underdogs, Coca. They lost to the Dodgers 2-1. to one. Lauer pitched a great game. What surprised me about the Dodger game was Gonsolin, who gave you seven innings, shut out. He really performed well. 85 and 70. All right. Pick today. How do you not take the Mets over the Braves to tie that series at two when you've got Jacob DeGrom? There's a pretty good rule of thumb. People say don't bet against the trend. The trend's your friend. Right? The Yankees have lost a bunch in a row. They're going to lose again. The Yankees walked off the Rays last night. I get that whole trend is your friend thing. Jacob DeGrom, we are going to take every single time he pitches until he gives it up. Now, if the Mets lose tonight because their bullpen blows it or Diaz finally blows a save or they can't score, that's okay. But I am taking Jacob DeGrom every time he pitches. There is a line where you can take the pitcher like for the first five innings and you could take the Mets for the first five innings and there's a new line. But I must say, we're taking the Mets for the game 
Jacob DeGrom. Okay. Ooh. Nope. Yeah. Give me one second. Give me one second, Coco. We still have a minute. I just want to do something. I'm going to take a quick sip of my ayahuasca. I've become so evolved and so zen. All you have to do is breathe. It's just business. This is nothing personal.